What is going on? My name is Taylor, and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry. We are just as lost as you are. What is up? What is up? It is February. What is happening? 2020 is already going like the speed of light. I am having a good time right now, working on some stuff in the theater world and doing my favorite thing, which is talking to you guys. So I'm glad that you're here for episode nine. Here we are. So we have a couple of announcements. We just put up a video on Patreon that I'm really excited about. It's called Trying Foods That We Ate When We Were 16. And it's me and Kyle revisiting all of these foods we loved as teens, like zebra cakes, fruit by the foot, man. <laughs> it is ridiculous and funny and weird. And I want you to check it out. And if you want to check it out, you should become a member of our Patreon $5 a month tier. Not only do you see that video, but there's a bunch of other videos. I think this is like our 13th video, 12th video, something like that. But yeah, there's a ton of awesome videos that we make for the patrons every month. And I promise you will love all the other good stuff we have on there too. So yeah, become a member of the Patreon fam. You're going to love it. And when you do become a member, you get a shout out on the show, like our most recent patron, Deanna Rose Morgado. Deanna, thank you so much for becoming a member of the Patreon fam. We love you. And I'm so excited to say that we have a review on Apple Podcasts. Woo, 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 woo. JRIT97 recently left us a review. Thank you so much. You will get a button. I found you on Instagram. And we will send that out to you very soon. But thank you so much for giving us a review, JRIT97. You are amazing. And everybody else, see how awesome that shout out was? There are all these opportunities to get a shout out and be, you know, have me tell you that I love you via the podcast. This could be you that I'm talking about right now. And you could also get one of our seriously cool buttons like JRIT97 is going to get. So head on over to Apple Podcasts. Tell us why you love us. And we will love you right back here on the podcast and every day. So we have a segment on the show called The Things, if you have heard of it, and where I take a minute to talk about a few things I might be super into right now, exciting things that have happened, like events or accomplishments, or sometimes stuff that's really difficult to talk about right now. And I have kind of a thing that I wrote that I want to share with you guys, because I've been trying to like get my feelings out a little bit more. Surprisingly, I've been having a difficult time with that. I know. Who am I? But yeah, this is just a little something I've been feeling lately. As much as I would love, who knows, to be literally the only thing I do all the time and be my full-time job forever, we just aren't quite there yet. So I do have other jobs outside of this, and I just want to say that applying for jobs is so emotionally painful for me right now, it's not even funny. Picture this. You spent three years in grad school working as hard as you could possibly work on every single thing that was thrown at you, living life as a complete slave to your schoolwork, again, because remember, you went back to school, which you knew was the right choice so you could become smarter, but that doesn't take away from how insanely painful it is to put 
all the work in and feel like you're being brutalized emotionally. And then finally, you graduate. You feel good. You're smarter. You feel better. And ready to get out there and work. You're like, here I am, world. I can do all these things. And I'm ready to work for you. You send email after email after email. And then, silence. No one wants you. No one. And yeah, I know everybody's looking for work. Creative work is hard to come by. It's hard out there for all of us. But I just feel like I want to take a moment to say emotionally, it's kind of a lot for me personally and maybe for others out there. I really do have to try to pick myself back up and send another goddamn email praying to finally be seen for what I'm worth. But I know I have to keep trying and I have to keep telling myself it's not about me and I do have worth and I am good. But man, it is really hard. Anyway, I just want to share a little of what I'm feeling right now. So thank you for listening. And I hope that if you're feeling this, that you remember that you are still worth something, even if it sometimes doesn't feel like it. Right, so let's get into this episode. Let's talk about who we hung out with this week. So this week I hung out with Nicole Zalnicker. And let me tell you about Nicole. I have a good story for you. Uh, Nicole reached out to me via email to tell me that she loved the show, which is such a highlight for me. I still think about it to this day. Anytime anybody sends me a message about how they love the show, I think about it all the time. It keeps me going. And her email specifically came when I really needed it for more reasons than one. But one of the best reasons was that she is an author. Yes, I have been wanting to talk to an author for so long. And I was really happy because one had found me. I'd been searching for a really long time. And this one was just like, hey, love you. And also, let's chat. So she sent me her book. It's called Last Dance. I read it. I loved it. And this episode was born. So let me tell you a little bit more about Nicole herself. She's a published author who currently has two books. One is called Last Dance, the one she sent me, which is a book of short stories. And the other is called Mixed, which is a nonfiction and contains interviews with mixed race families discussing what it means to be mixed. She also works as an editorial researcher at The Conversation, which is, quote, a network of not-for-profit media outlets that publish new stories written by academics and researchers. I hadn't heard of it before. I looked it up. It's a pretty cool place to be. Check out the conversation. It'll be linked in the show notes. She lives in New York, and this interview was done remotely, but I have to say this. I still got to see the cat that she lives with when we did this video chat, and that, my friends, is also a big win because anytime cats are involved, no matter what capacity, we love that for us. It is the best. So in this lovely interview, Nicole shared with us how she started writing and what she loves about it, some of the challenges that she faces, and how she uses her voice as an author to elevate the voices of people of color. She's also a big advocate for destigmatizing mental health and invisible illness, which we are very much here for as well. This interview just well-rounded in all the ways and... It was such a joy to get to talk to Nicole. So here is Nicole Zelnicker and I talking about writing and being an author. Nicole, this is the first time that we're meeting 
and I already feel like we are friends. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking to you. For for those of you out there listening, Nicole was the first stranger to ever email us and say that she loved the show, and it was the greatest Hooray. thing ever. And it was so funny because I think that day I was talking to Lynn about how I wanted an author on the show and I was like looking and I was like combing through Instagram like trying to find like the right person and it's so crazy because like the right person just came to me like I didn't (laughs) I didn't even have to search like you came right into my email and it's I'm so I'm so grateful that we found each other it's like the greatest thing I'm glad too I'm happy I'm happy to be on the show and thank you for having me of course so I like to start off all of my interviews with this question and I say who is insert name of person here. So who is Nicole Zelniker? How would you answer that question? No wrong answers. Oh God. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm a lot of things, intersectionality and everything. Um, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a millennial. I'm woman. I'm, I guess I'm someone who writes things evidently. (laughs) I'm someone who cares a lot about mental health and challenging mental health stigma. I'm someone who's currently on a podcast. Um, uh, that's, that's a really tough question. I love watching people answer that question though. It's like one of my favorite things because talking about yourself, first of all, I don't know if you experience this, but talking about my, I feel like talking about myself was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel like you're like, Oh, like, well, I was born here. I did this. I did that. And like this, but like, I love like when people are like, I'm this, or like, I'm like, for me, I'm like, I, I'm a dreamer or like, I, like, I, I'm somebody who collects things and like I love I love all the I all the answers I get to that question are are great and yours was great too I love I love I write things evidently I have this (laughs) book in my hand right here that you wrote that I read in like three days it's it's very it's small but it's deep there was like a couple of times where I was like I you know I try I tried to savor it as much as I could because it is a book of short stories Mm -hmm. but I also was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to like set that (laughs) down for a second and like Mm -hmm. calm down a little bit after I read what I just read, because there's like a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of depth. These are not all happy and they all lived happily ever after kind of stories. No, because I mean, people don't. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My my mom, actually, when she read the book, called me after almost every story um, to talk about them and to kind of like figure out what she had just read. And I was like, lady, I just I just published these. I don't want to look at them. I I don't want to. Do you know how many times I had to read through these? Um, so how did you get into writing? Like, is that something that you've had a calling for for a really long time? Something you discovered in college? Tell me the story. How did it all start? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I technically wrote my first book when I was five years old and it was about a duck named Bill. And I thought I was really clever because ducks had bills (laughs) and I illustrated it with the little stick figure ducks and stapled the pages backwards because I was five and no one should have let me near a stapler period. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess I had always done like short stories and things, but had never, you know, shown them to people because that's hard. And then these short stories I started doing in an undergrad for my thesis, did four of those for my thesis and had started just writing, writing more publicly in general in undergrad, I guess. I, I joined the student newspaper and started doing journalism and then really wanted my senior year to get back into creative writing and fiction and things like that. So I kind of got back into it 
then, I don't know, I guess I've, I've always been writing in different capacities, but I think more seriously starting in college. Yeah. And did you read a lot like when you were younger and do you still read a lot now? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge nerd. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was that kid that, you know, like would bring a book to a birthday party. Oh my God. I love those yeah. people. Those are the people that are afraid of me because I'm <laughs> like, Hey, what's going on? They're like, God, get away from me. She's so loud. <laughs> Yeah, it's something I would still do now if it weren't, you know, if I weren't like a grown ass <laughs> adult and needed to be socially acceptable. And Yeah. But what even is that? I mean, I wish I read more. Honestly, I feel like when I read Last Dance, that was when I was like, all right, like I need to like read more because like I actually really do like this. And mm-hmm. like like when you're in your academic days and you're doing a lot of academic reading, for me at least, I was like, I don't wanna read anything else because I have to read the things that they're telling me to read and it just feels like a lot feels like all this time but like I think that picking up a good storybook if you will is like something that like can really reinvigorate your your want to read at least in my like that's what I experienced when reading this like I was like oh my gosh like I I need to read more stories again and like like this is like up my alley of like what I like to read. So like I've read like Go Ask Alice, like all those kinds of those like teen angst books, if you will. But this is like a, I feel like this is like a more like grown up version of that. Where it's teen like angst a, for adults. Yeah, teen angst for adults, <laughs> adult angst, if you will. And you went to Guilford College, yes, right? Yeah. Which literally like that's down the street. I literally live right next to that Guilford College water tower. Oh, yeah. Like I can see it like from my that's crazy. Like for those who don't know, I live in Guilford County and that was just like coincidental. The fact that like you also went to Guilford College and are you still coming here next month? Yeah, I'm coming next month. I, I had a professor help me set up a reading at Scuppernog, oh, yes. which I'm sure you've been to many times. Yeah, that's a great bookstore. Yeah, I work at Triad Stage, which is like down the street from there. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I do miss North Carolina. It's cold up here. I'm not a cold weather person. Yeah, yeah, because you're in New York, right? Yeah. It's kind of sad because like usually around this time, it's a lot colder and like that kind of makes me think about like really sad things that are going on. like 60 degrees yesterday for, you know, for 24 hours and I was like, well, the earth is dying, but also that was I'm you. Really oh happy. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, I was like, I saw somebody on Instagram who was out and was like, I'm enjoying this weather, but I also know that it means <laughs> that the planet is dying. I was like, who was that? It was you? Yeah. And you have another book that you wrote before Last yes. Dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is that one called? Yeah. So that one is called Mixed. It's about race and mixed race families, um, and it's nonfiction. And is that something that you try to put a lot into your into your writing? Because I noticed that a lot of the names that you used in this book and like the way that people are described and stuff like that, these are like people of color that you're writing about, which I think is amazing and like really needed. And is that something that you that is like representing people of color in your writing? Is that something that you're passionate about and that's important to you that you try to do in your writing or does it just come naturally? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's something that I definitely, you know, make a conscious effort to do. Um, and I think that making that conscious effort in a way makes it more effortless. Like yeah. the, the more I, you know, try to consciously think about it, the, the more it just kind of comes, but you know, I, I, there, there are so many books out there about, you know, white men heroes doing their 
their white men hero things and I don't think we need more of that yeah <laughs> and even like groups of white girls like saying mean stuff yeah. about other white girls yeah I think one of the things that's that's definitely I two of the things that are definitely important to me is diversity and then also putting women in situations where they're not pitted against each other and you know that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have positive relationships with each other but just you know they're not they're not constantly going after each other. They're not in competition with each other. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's not a book, but for some reason, I was I was thinking about Mean Girls today, the yeah. movie. I friggin' hate that movie. I know that's such an unpopular <laughs> opinion, but I hate that movie because everybody's, you know, as soon as it all starts to go downhill when they're when she like turns her back on her friends and like I just yeah. I can't even watch it anymore because it just makes me so sad and it's just like girls betraying girls and like cat fight kind of situation and like I know in the end she like you know it all it's all happy in the end and it's fine but the part in the middle is just, I can't watch it it <laughs> makes me so sad but you know that movie came out probably when I was in like middle school and like I think a lot about how there are so many things that I did and thought about and we're okay then that are just like everything is just so different now and like it really does feel like a real growing up when you're realizing like okay like my like way of thinking is shifting and like the way that I like interact with the world is shifting yeah on the flip side so I do love Mean Girls I'm sorry I just I like Janice and the the guy yeah I like them I don't like I just can't with the the whole I can't it makes me so sad on the flip side one of the movies that I think is one of the most underrated feminist films of the early 2000s is Legally Blonde. Oh, yes. You know what's so funny? Do you watch uh, Do you watch The Office? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you listen to their podcast that they have now? No, but it's it's on my it's on my list of things to do. So they talk about in... Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> they talk about the in the episode The Fire when they're like when Ryan starts a fire and they're all outside and stuff like that, that they're talking about like their Desert Island movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them is Legally Blonde and Jim Jim like rips into Pam about how she likes Legally Blonde and Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey talk about how like that's a really big like feminist movie where this like this girl is like doing what she wants to do despite her stereotype of a kind of person if you will. The fact that she's feminine and strong and then she you know there are so many incredibly powerful relationships between women in that movie and even you know Vivian, who who's kind of like early on her her rival, ends up being one of her best friends. That's just so it, it's so incredible that there are so many different types of women in that movie, and they all have these really cool relationships. Like you look at that movie, like even like at face value of like that picture of Reese Witherspoon with the dog and all the pink and stuff like that. And like, I, I've only seen that movie like maybe twice because at face value, I'm like, I don't like, I don't care about this, this woman. Like, I don't give a crap about any of that, but it actually is like, she's really going for it. Like despite anything else. And like, that's so true that it is a very feminist film. So getting off of film and talking more about writing, um, what are some of your favorite things about writing and being a writer and authorship and all that? Yeah, I think one of one of the really cool things for me is just being able to tell tell stories and just um, that that sounds really obvious, but just being able to, I guess, you know, a lot of a lot of for me, these stories are about mental health and physical health and about women and about a lot of them are about queerness and just kind of like being able to express those things is really cool. I think being able to spend time with these characters for me is really cool. 
just kind of outside of reality. I don't know if that's that's a really bizarre author thing to say. That's been really fun. So that, I mean, I guess the writing and then also, you know, that after I've had more than one person tell me, you know, that they see themselves reflected in some of these stories, especially the ones that are about mental health and the ones that are about women's relationships with other women. And, and then that's been really cool, just kind of like the, the after that wasn't really something I expected to happen, but that, that's been really cool. Yeah, like this, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much I love Last Dance, and I'm definitely going to have to read the other book as well. What I love is that like the queer relationships are not like part of the story. They just mm-hmm. are which I love. Like, I love, I love that that's happening more now that it's like, it's not like, and they are lesbians. It's like, and these women are together and they're in a relationship. Like that's, then now we're going to like move on because it doesn't matter. Like we, it's not even like, it's not even part of it. Like, it's just like, you see a woman, one woman's name and another woman's name and you're like, oh, they're together. And like, yeah. And I love, I just love that. And I also, I believe that all these people are real the way that you write these stories, you just immediately are like, like I'm in the world with these people. And like, I love those stories where you are like actually like able to see it in your head. And like, this was that like immediately for me. The only thing that I hated is that they ended and there were so many (laughs) questions. You could write a book about all of these, like individually about all of these people. I'm so sorry. That's a problem I have. And it really, really bugs people is that I like to leave people with you do you do I want to know more I mean and they're all fantastic but like they're just ah so many questions that I have and some of them what I do love is that you kind of like you do that thing where it's not like and this is what happened it's like you kind of weave the answers into like like there's the one that's the the letter to the mom from the girl oh uh there we breathe yeah and there are like some clues about like what happened and like who this person is like through this letter to their mom like the I how do you come up with this do you like have dreams about these stories do you like are the are they are they based on people in your real life what's the story there I mean it, it really depends a lot of them so the air we breathe specifically actually wasn't a letter originally that came about when I started going through the editing process with atmosphere press but was originally based on a prompt about mermaids and uh wanted really wanted to figure out a way to do that but hadn't really done anything fantasy before so kind of took took a very small step toward that um but a a lot of them are based on prompts like dress rehearsal is based on a prompt to write about your character's biggest fear so that was kind of fun to do I I have uh Crohn's disease which is what the characters in that story have and when I started Remicade which is the treatment I'm on now a lot of people you know were were saying, you know, how could you be on that? That's really scary. That causes all kinds of other things. And for me, it's it's not a big deal because those other things are in the future and, and I'm not really thinking about them. And these, these drugs provide some sense of relief for me, but that is a very real fear to a lot of people. And so I incorporated that in that story. And then others were based on just other, other experiences or other prompts. I, I had looked, I, like I'll, I'll look at, um, you know, just Google creative writing prompts sometimes. Yeah, I literally I love that you just brought that up because I just now I was today years old when I remembered that prompts existed. Like I forgot about the fact that you would get like, 
writing prompts and they're like, so you have, fun i for, like i kind of want to do one because i'm postgraduate school i'm dealing with a lot of stuff emotionally right now and i feel like one of the things that i've wanted to do is like try because i'm trying to develop coping skills which is like not easy when you have ocd because your coping skill is to like do your rituals which is like what you're trying not to do and so i'm trying to come up with new things to do yeah you're trying to cope with not coping exactly um because it i was talking to my therapist about it today because it feels like i'm neglect i feels like i'm neglecting what's going on right now and like if i try to like channel some of that energy that i have creatively it's kind of intimidating probably to just write out of thin air Definitely. I I think prompts are fun because they help you. They help you when you're stuck, but they also, I really like the ones that are just kind of like bare minimum. Like Atlanta came out of a prompt that was like, here are three words go. And it was like a watch, peppermint and something else that I don't remember off the top of my head, but you know, they're, they're so loose that you still have that kind of creative freedom. And some of them aren't, some of them, you know, some of them are more restrictive and, and it depends on what you like, but yeah, love prompts. Prompts are great. Yeah. I was that kind of brings me to another question that I was thinking about when I was preparing for this interview. Is writer's block like a real thing? Oh, like yeah. is that like I, that sounds like a stupid question. Like of course it's a real thing, but like what is that like what does that feel like for you? Like what is that what does it feel like? I think for me writer's block feels like like I'm in front of the keyboard and I'm looking at the screen but my brain is kind of fuzzy. And I can't make it form the sentences that I want to be appearing on the page. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so do you use, do you have like, is are, are prompts a way that you try to get out of that? Are there other techniques that you use to get out of that? Yeah, um, prompts definitely. Um, I'll, I'll go back and edit something old when, when I'm stuck. Just to like step away from what you're doing right now. Yeah. Step away from what I'm doing. And then I'm also still kind of in that, that writing space. So it's, it's both kind of taking a step back and also kind of staying in that space that, and then sometimes you really do just need to, you know, not edit, just like turn the, turn the computer off, read is good. Cause then you're still, you know, writing, reading brain is, is working, but you're away from, from your own stuff. So you write for your like author, part of your career like your own personal stuff and then you write for the conversation what do you do that's not writing like how do you like sometimes you just need that thing where you're like this has nothing to do with like what I do when you do your work your passion for your work all the time like do you have a space that you go that's like completely completely different than like what you do in your day-to-day work life yeah um I mean you know I watch Netflix and listen to music and the the basics um judge me but like more reading more books um, <laughs> <laughs> no that's totally fine i'm currently rereading the the millennium trilogy the girl with the dragon tattoo and oh okay i've never read those they're they're a good time so have been really enjoying that and i mean in new york it's also you know it's it's a city with so much so um museums and uh, my friend just told me about one that she had just discovered that I'm excited to go to. I live in Brooklyn, so the Brooklyn Museum is is pretty close to me and, and is good time. Shows, I've gotten really good. Um, I've lived here now. I grew up in Westchester, but I've, I've lived in the city now for the last two and a half-ish years and have gotten really good at finding comparatively cheap theater tickets. 
So, so that's always a good time. If I had any talent, I'd be up there on Broadway. And oh my God. Yes. A long time ago, I was like, I want to be like on stage, but there are some times where I listen to soundtracks and I'm like, I want to be that. And then I see all my friends who are like, Hey, I'm stuck on the train can somebody put my name on the list for this audition where there's like a hundred people and then they get there and they're like they're not seeing non-equity people today so I wasted my whole morning hooray and like the struggle man yeah no I've, I've lived with actors before in the city and it does not seem like an easy easy path um I also you know I'm super shy and like just being on this podcast is is really hard for me right now well (laughs) I'm glad that you're here we're so happy to have you going outside of your comfort zone with us I love that yeah but definitely would not actually be able to be up on the stage I just you know the singing in the shower is real fun and yes (laughs) embarrassing for for me when my roommate's around but she's gotten used to it so (laughs) So what are some of the challenges that you feel in your writing? Like we talked about writer's block a little bit, but like what are some of the other things that are difficult for you slash sub question? Is it, is it scary? Like, you know, pouring your deep thoughts out there on this page? Is it not scary because you're able to like disassociate because there are characters like how, like, like, what is it like? What are some of those challenges that you face? Yeah, I think for me, some of the biggest challenges come are, are kind of what comes after. Like I, I really, when I'm writing, it's it's great and it's cathartic and it's, you know, it's wonderful and everything. And then after I'm like, oh, now it's a book and I have to advertise it and talk to people about it. And I'm doing my first reading for Last Dance on Wednesday. So by the time this podcast premieres, it will have passed, but it's it's at Book Culture in Long Island City. And that really freaks me out. So I think those those kinds of things are, are what's hardest for me about this process. And then in the actual writing, you know, I think everyone has their, their strengths and weaknesses as a writer. So I guess comparatively smaller things for me are, you know, like I'm I'm not as good at detail. Like I when I'm writing, I just kind of like spit everything out onto the page that I have to go back and oh wait, we actually have no idea what this person looks like and and figure that out and how to how to add that in in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I got I'm gonna read it like so differently now. I'm gonna like I like which is great. Like I love I love that like this is sort of like a behind the scenes book tour. Like, you know, like you're like watch like the deleted scenes from a movie. This is like the deleted scenes from this book that I just read, which I love. I think that's so great. But yeah, it is interesting to think about like having to do work in a different way creating a written story. Because like in a movie, like you're seeing it all. I'm like, so, so like you, I have so many questions. Like I'm so like, like my, my world is open. Like thinking about like how like you create characters that you like, that literally like don't exist in any way at all. And like coming up with like who they are. And like, do you have like, like more story about these people that you create for them that you don't tell, but it's part of how you like, create how they interact I have so many questions I think it really depends um and honestly I should do it more I had a really incredible writing professor in in undergrad her name is Milan you know she she was always talking about creating a backstory for these characters and figuring out other details about them before you write and I I 
will very often not do that and, and very often just start writing. Um, it's something I should do more of. And, you know, I mean, it, it really depends. Sometimes I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like, oh, well, this is, this is their backstory and this is what happens to them after. And sometimes it's just like they exist on the pages and that there's really nothing else about them for me. I think it, it depends on the story and it depends on, I don't know, I, I think it depends on a lot of different things, a lot of which I'm, I'm not quite sure of, but yeah, that's, that's my very convoluted answer to your question. No, no, I think that's that definitely like, it's sometimes it's hard to talk about like what your, what your process is. Cause it like, it's like, it makes sense to me. That's all you need to know. It makes sense in my head. And now I'm saying words that are kind of you know, all over the place. And yeah. Yeah. But I do, but I mean, I feel like, like what you're talking about, like going through like that, it's important to hear, I guess, for, for me and maybe for others out there that like, you know, you write it all out there and it's not gold the first time. Like you have to like pare it down and like figure it out and like, you know, make sense of it in a way. Do you have somebody that you, that's like your go-to that reads your stories for you? Do you have like an editor? Like, what is that, what is that process like? Yeah, I actually, um, she is very good about it. I rely a lot on my sister who is not a writer or a storyteller in any way whatsoever. Um, but she's honest and is, is someone that I don't, I don't care that she sees my screw ups. So she's, she's often the first person I go to. And then I have a couple friends that are also writers or, um, are, are able to look at these things critically. So have, have a couple of my, my next tier people who are also just fabulous. And then actual editors, uh, people, yeah, people that are, are being paid to, to look at my stuff and publish it. Um. Yeah, is the so I've I've heard a lot that publishing, getting published, all that stuff is like really really difficult. Like I've heard that a lot. Is that was that true for you? Did you did you go through that process of sending it, sending the book to a lot of places and getting those rejection letters and that kind of stuff? No. But I think my I think my experiences have been like beyond unusual. I've been incredibly lucky, and that that is you know I am submitting short stories and I'm submitting essays and I do you know I my I think I got like three different rejections in my inbox today. With both books, I've been incredibly lucky. Um, the first one with mixed, I had sent an excerpt to uh, one one of the pieces of advice I had actually gotten about publishing it as a book, which is something I was starting to think maybe I would do was to submit excerpts, places, build, you know, build a track record of, of writing about this topic, you know, put, put yourself out there, have more people see it. And then it just so happens that the first place that wanted to publish an excerpt also was starting a publishing house and, and was interested in publishing mixed as a book. And then with Atmosphere Press and with Last Dance, um, it, it was one of the first places I submitted to and they wanted it. So... <laughs> I've been super lucky. My experience is not normal. And I fully expect if I do a third book that it's going to be a nightmare because this is going to be karma biting me in the ass. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's I think that's kind of awesome of you to acknowledge that like your your experience might not be the norm of what other people experience, because I do know people who have written and like they get those rejection letters and it's like really difficult for them. And and it doesn't mean you're not good. That's what, like, I'm so hesitant to say, no, actually I got, you know, someone wanted me right away. Cause my, you know, there are people out there that are so incredible and keep getting rejected and 
you know, everyone's experience is different. Yeah, yeah, which is, I think, really important to acknowledge that every that it is all that's not really there's no it's it's funny because like you know they say like you know you write the book you turn you send it out like you get published but like there's no there's no real formula for I don't feel like for anything like there's no there's no laws there's nothing like it's just like just everything is just out there and like just happens however it happens kind of thing and you're sending these books to human beings who have like their own thoughts and feelings about things and like I struggle with that a lot reminding myself that it's not because I'm not good it's because I can't tell that person like you will hire me or like you will pick my thing it's like I don't think it's ever fully about you no definitely not one of the things actually that I've, I've been thinking is really interesting is that people keep assuming I'm self-published which isn't you know self-publishing is totally legit and people people do different things I just think it's interesting because I'm I'm not I mean I, I know where the assumption comes from I, I believe it's because I'm I'm young I'm 24 and people generally aren't so lucky and and do have to submit many times and so so I've gotten many you know like oh that's so cool that you're self-published and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, I hesitate to say it, but I feel like I want to say like that. That's kind of rude. Like, how do you, how do you respond to that when people just assume because you're young that you must not be successful in any way? I, I mean, I usually just say, you know, oh, actually it's through, you know, either the national or, or atmosphere press, depending on the book. Then it's like, oh, okay, cool. And, and we move on. I've, I've gotten a lot of, definitely more than, more than a couple of people. Um, assume that I'm self-published. Yeah, that's interesting. And so you, so you're mentioning that there are two different publishing houses for your for your two books. Was did you send uh, Last Dance to the publishing house of the first book, and they didn't take it, or how? Like, why did you go with two different places? Um, so they, so the National, which is the place that I published mixed through, is nonfiction and poetry only. Yeah. So I, I sent, I sent last dance to, to different publishers. And then as soon as I got the reply from atmosphere press, I emailed the person that had edited mixed and e emailed them and said, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure I looked over my contract and I, I think this is fine, but you know, just made them aware that, that this was something I was doing and wanted to keep them in the loop and they were incredible about it. They've been super supportive. So that's really awesome. So is mixed, is that poems? Mixed is nonfiction, journalism, essay style about um, race and mixed race families. So I, I each chapter or most of the chapters are interviews with, um, with families or individuals who are, who are mixed or have mixed race family. That's kind of cool. That's like a that's like a transcribed podcast that doesn't have a podcast to go with it. It actually uh, what the the podcast series that I was doing for mixed is. Oh, uh, for, okay. For the is. Got it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm putting it together now. I'm putting it together. Okay. I've been living in this world of this book, and so I don't know much about the other one. But that's amazing. That's so. So it's like. So it's like you took. So did you? Which one did you do first? So I did the I did the book, and then the National had a podcast. And the editor came to me and, and, you know, said that they, they would be interested in turning it into a podcast series. And we went through several iterations of what that might look like. And then um, I ended up, uh, you know, doing, doing the interviews and we put it together. And, and is the podcast called Mixed also? The podcast is the Nashona and then it's, there's a subhead at, that's, you know, that we, we, there's a page on the website 
specifically dedicated to stories about race and mixed race families. And it's something that, that the editor is very interested in and wants to keep doing more stories about. So the, the podcast, those specific episodes are all over there, but it's all part of the, the one podcast series. What? Oh my gosh. You have to give me the links to that too, so that I can put that in the show notes and so that I can check it out. So what is your favorite thing that you have ever written? Oof. <laughs> Actually, maybe. Um, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that there, I have, I don't know. I don't know how to say this, I guess, like different categories of favorites. You could do that. Yeah. Usually when somebody's like, what's your favorite thing? I'm like, here are five of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 My, my least favorite question just kind of in that realm are favorite books. And I'm like, can I give you a list of my favorite authors? There are like 12 of them. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, I think Last Dance has been really big for me um, just because, you know, I, I love journalism and I love writing nonfiction, but fiction has always kind of been my, my first love. So it's been really cool just to, to kind of get back into that and to, to put these stories out there in a way I haven't really done with my writing before. And so that's just been a really cool experience. I think Mixed has meant a lot to different people in a different way and, and has been a very different experience for me. I'm not mixed. And so, you know, kind of delving into that world of, race and kind of that that non-binary race area was just like a really cool experience I, I learned a lot kind of about how to be a white person telling those stories and you know kind of using myself as a as a platform to elevate voices and then lately I've been writing a lot more about uh just mental and physical health it's something that what I was seven when I was diagnosed with OCD and then just kind of had a whole bunch of diagnoses from there. Oh, so you also have OCD. Yeah. It's been something that, you know, has been so stigmatized for so long. And, you know, and like in middle school and high school, I, I wouldn't talk about my mental health. And it was something that I, that it appeared to me no one else was going through. And recently I've been writing, you know, more essays about, about Crohn's and about OCD and about, I, I dealt with an eating disorder for a long time. And that's been one really cathartic and then two again I, I had people write to me some people that you know that I knew in high school that you know we must have been going through similar things at the same time that that have said you know I, I dealt with this and it you know it, it makes me feel really good that I'm seeing someone sharing this that you know it doesn't have to be stigmatized the way that it is and so that's that's been really cool for me yeah yeah that's I, I've gotten a couple of messages on Instagram too about like people saying that that who knows is doing that where it's like destigmatizing and I I mean that's why I started the show is because I because I was going through things and feeling like I know like I wasn't seeing or hearing anybody else talk about how terrible of a time they were having and then like you know and like I would talk about how I was having a terrible time and a lot of the times I felt like it was met with people being like oh okay like sorry about that. And like, like not making me feel like I'm a normal person. And then I started listening to podcasts and I was like, oh my gosh, like people are talking about things that are not pretending like everything is fine. And like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't realize that like, that other, that like there's a world of people out there talking about like, you know, yeah, this kind of stuff. Absolutely. That, that's definitely for me, you know, I, I had friends who would talk about these things and, you know, who are kind of outspoken about their own mental health and um you know that kind of made me feel like I could speak out and then hopefully that's you know that that's how we start to end the stigma around right 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 yeah and it's and I also think that you're you know trying to talk more about like physical illness too like Crohn's disease and that kind of stuff and like because that's like I think that 
I don't know much about Crohn's disease, but I, but it does, it does kind of sort of fall under the invisible illness where like, you know, people, it's not something that you can see. And so I think that that's amazing that you're trying to kind of talk about that more as well. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think people don't like to talk about Crohn's and other like stomach things because they're really gross. Um, they're not, you know, we don't, we don't like to talk about, you know, bowel movements and, and things like that. Um, so it's, you know, it's, I I think that it's also something that it's, it's stigmatized in a different way. Um, but still definitely hidden. Yeah. Like people should be not afraid of mental health. The same, like poop and mental health. We need to talk about both of them. Like, honestly, like, I really think that like, it's, you know, and like, like all jokes aside, like that's like that's a very real thing and like I and I I don't I guess because I deal with it myself it's more unbelievable for me like with mental health stuff why people just completely count it out and like same with the whole idea of like oh I can't see you like physically like dying you must be fine like no like I guess because I struggle with with invisible illness and, and mental health I don't fully understand that but I guess I have talked to people who are like, oh, yeah, I don't really have anxiety. And I'm like, what? Like, there are people that don't have anxiety. How is that real? Like, there are people that are fine all the time. I don't get it. That's really, there are people out there that don't have anxiety and don't have OCD and, like, you know, wake up in the morning and, you know, their all their joints are good and in working order and you know, what, what, what? Yeah. And I guess it's like, it's really kind of similar to the idea of like, if it's not something that you deal with in your day-to-day life, you just don't even deem it as a problem. Something that I saw recently, I'm a big fan of Disney and Disneyland does a Lunar New Year celebration every year. And they have all this Lunar New Year merchandise and all the models are white people. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people of color are like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, this was so easy. Like, why are there no people of color? Like, and it's all Chinese, like it's all in Chinese. And like, that's not the only people that celebrate Lunar New Year. And like, there's like all these people. Like, and I think it's great that they're like coming out and they're like, whoa, like this is a, like, this is a big deal. Like you're the girl that I saw that posted it. She had to go on her story today and say, hi, I don't hate white people. Like what is like, like I can talk about the fact that like, like my culture is being like, like used as a money machine. And like, we're not even being included in the, in the marketing photos for it. Like that doesn't mean that I hate white people. The moral of that is like, yeah, like if you're not confronted with it right there in your face every single day, like you just count it out completely. So if you had to give advice to anybody who your face was like no please don't ask me to do that i don't i don't know maybe you know i it's fine it's fine ask the question (laughs) if you had to give advice to anybody who is an aspiring writer or who is a struggling writer or somebody who's trying to start writing uh what would be advice that you would give to them I think two two things. One is kind of, you know, the the fluffier, you know, creative writing, liberal arts major nonsense, but it's just, you know, write. You know, if you're an aspiring writer, just write and, you know, use prompts and, you know, build off of things you have and write, write in a group, join a writing group, 
you know, what, whatever, whatever it takes to get you to write, just, just do it. And that's how you start. And then there's another very concrete tip that I can give you, which is create a submittable account. It's submittable.com. It's free to create an account. I don't work for them. This is not a paid advertisement, but, uh, it's, it's this website where all kinds of magazines and news outlets and, you know, galleries and, and things like that are looking for writers and artists and just creatives to submit content. And uh, a lot of them are free. A lot of them are, you know, two or three dollars to submit, which is how much you would pay to, for, for postage anyway. That's been really great for me just in, in getting my work out there. I think most of the things that I've been published through have, have I've found through Submittable, both Last Dance and Mixed were published through organizations I found through Submittable. Those are the things, but also keep in mind, I don't know that I'm qualified to, <laughs> to give advice to anyone. I think that that's great that you gave like the, you know, the just right, like, and the, and the like, like I, I can tell we're going to be very good friends because you're, <laughs> you're the same where I'm like, I want to make sure I'm covering all my bases here. Like here's like the really heartfelt answer. Well, and then like, the here's, OCD. You, gotta, yeah. you gotta cover all the bases. God, that is so true. I filled out this job application the other day. And one of the things that I said is like, I want to, I do everything I can to make sure that the people on my team are set up for success. And I asked myself questions like, can I explain this better? How can I like, and all the, you know, all the stuff that like, kind of, I guess, if you, I mean, if you will, like benefits of having OCD where you're like, I'm going to be a really hard worker because I literally can't do it any other way. My boss is constantly like, oh, you're so early all the time and you remember all the passwords to the different accounts and whatever. Like, that's so great. And I'm like, thanks. It's OCD. And it's the bane of my existence. Man, see, I wish that that was something that my OCD gave me because I, mine is, I, I have, I can't leave the house because I'm afraid to. So I'm late all the time. I don't want to deal with passwords. Like anytime anything things like a password I'm like oh man I don't know what this is gonna be it's gonna take me like 10 tries but you know what the early is though it's the OCD mixed with the anxiety because if I'm late I freak out yeah I guess if for me it's like I'm I'm my I'm my whole department at work and so nobody is watching me so I'm like I'm just gonna show up whenever which is terrible because it just makes my makes me keep doing rituals for longer but anyway uh and I oh yeah I did want to also say that I I like that you, you know, said like, just do the thing because I feel like that really can be so difficult, like to just do the thing. Cause there are so many times where I'm like, I want to create this or I want to do this. And like starting, it's not BS. Like starting is really the hardest part. Yeah. That's a lot of the times I'll, you know, I'll be like, Oh, like I, I want my character to be like this. So like, let's look at names and like what, you know, what, what's their fucking Myers-Briggs person? I'm so sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Start. Yeah, yeah, you totally can. Yeah. Um, but like, what, what's their Myers-Briggs personality type? And, you know, and then it's like two hours later and I'm like, have I written a single word? No. Do I know everything about this character I might never actually use in this story? Yeah. But so just, you know, just get something down. Whatever it is. This was so amazing. I am so glad that we've met, e-met, over the computer met. And I can't wait to have you here uh, in Greensboro again. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. And you're doing a reading at Guilford College. No, 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 not at Guilford College. At Scubbernogs, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're local, come on out. It'll be a great time. There will be advertisements. I'm sure places. Yeah, I will. Yeah, S send us stuff and we'll put it on our Instagram and everything. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've th this has been less awful than 
I would expect for talking about myself for like an hour. So yes, everyone cannot see me right now, but I have the biggest smile on my face because yay, I'm so excited. I love like this. There's so many, like we have talked, we touched on so many good things and you like did a thing that you were afraid to do with, with us. This is a safe place to do it. I'm so excited. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see you and, um, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Am I alone? No, I don't think so. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be some insight into the life of an author, or maybe you yourself are inspired to start writing things or even just reading more. I know that's what I'm going to do, reading and writing more. And as always, we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. Learn new things. Ask people about who they are and what they do. You may learn something new and get excited about something in a way that you never thought possible. And I, for one, am so excited to start writing things just for fun. I already looked up some prompts and I'm really excited to try them out. And I want to share one with you. Here's one that I found. It is from thinkwritten.com. The like post is called 300, 365 Creative Writing Prompts. This one says... Write about staying quiet when you feel like shouting. I'm going to do this one for sure. And I'm going to post it on our blog page on our website, which we need to reinvigorate really badly. And so this will be probably one of the first blog posts we've done in a while. If you try it out and you feel like sharing it with us, send it over via email. We would love to check it out. All right, people. If you want to stay up to date with episode releases or see cute pictures of cats, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WhoKnowsPod. We are also on Facebook at WhoKnows. We feature pets on our Instagram story every day we release a new episode and it's been, we've been getting a lot and I'm really excited, but we can always use more, obviously. So if you want to send us a picture of your cat, dog, any animal, we love them, send them over to us on our Instagram and we will feature your pet. You can also send them to us via email, Facebook, whatever. Just be like, this is for the Instagram story and I'll be like, yes, pets. You can also visit our website at whoknowspod.com. And if you want to send us any questions, we can answer them on the show. You can send those over to any place, but also we love an email. So if you ever want to email us anything, that email is taylor at whoknowspod.com. The best ways to support the show are to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You get a button for that. You can also tell the world about the show. That helps us grow. And to support us even further, you can become a patron on our Patreon for as low as $1. And if you want to see that video I was talking about in the beginning, that's on the $5 tier. If you go over to the Patreon, you'll see there's many options, much to be had over there. And you'll be part of the fam, and we'll love you for it. This episode was hosted by me, Taylor Dankovich. Edited and produced by Lynn Barbera. Our intro music is by Chris Williams, and our outro and transition music is by Tori Silver. Who knows who's out there? But I love you, and thanks for listening. Bow! That's what it would sound like if we were a 80s, 90s TV show. Love you guys. To look me in the eyes And tell me that they need me Until
so much thank you for being the best and i hope that you are killing it at life